0: Welcome back to Infinite Rabbit Hole, everybody. On today's episode, our guest is set to take us on a wild ride through her journey as a die-hard conspiracy theorist, her state of mind during the time in her life, as well as how and why she changed her outlook. She is a contributing writer for the Skeptical Inquirer magazine, whose most recent article is set to be released in the March and April 2021 issue titled Life, the q and Everything Part 1. She is a researcher and writer for the Ordis Studios, Even the Podcast is Afraid, which I have personally listened to many a times and is a show that helped form the format for our own podcast. She also recently recorded an episode for the Skeptical Inquirer podcast, Point of Inquiry. We here on Infinite Rabbit Hole are beyond excited to introduce to you, our special guest for the night, Stephanie Kemmerer. Thank you for joining us, Stephanie. How are you doing tonight?
1: I'm doing great. Thank you for having me.
0: I can't even express how excited I am right now to talk to you. You have my excitement level through the roof.
1: Thank you. I'm I'm really excited to be recording. It's just interesting to tell my story, and I hope maybe it could help someone.
0: That'd be really cool. And for the, those of you listening that are normal listeners to Infinite Rabbit Hole, wondering why I haven't introduced my co-host yet, CJ is my co-host tonight. CJ,
2: what's up, man? Not much. Not much, but I'm considering changing my name to Chop Liver now. I still love you, man. (laughs) I do. I'm telling Katie.
0: Mm, (laughs) Fine, whatever. You can do that. I know who the (laughs) boss is. You do. That is correct. I am not the boss in my house. That is my wife. (laughs) (laughs) But. That is not the subject for today, Steph, you are the subject today. You have a wild story that you're going to share with us today about how you were once a very, very deeply embedded conspiracy theorist and your journey
1: out of that world.
0: So, Stephanie, how did you get into the conspiracy theorist world?
1: It, it, I kind of had a little predilection towards it. All my life, like, you know, I picked up Children of the Matrix by David Ike, and I was just like, oh, this is silly fun. And I went through some periods where I was a believer, and then I wasn't, and then I wasn't, and then I wasn't. But the thing that pilled me was the, the quote-unquote documentary Zeitgeist.
0: Oh, man. It's very
1: slick. Yes. It's well-produced, a high production value. And, um, then they, you know, I didn't even realize it at the time, but they were going through some sovereign citizen stuff in there. And then they were talking about world trade center, nanothermite controlled demolition. And I was like, Ooh, this sounds fun. And that, and then I just, you know, and this was actually after I published my first article in 2014 with skeptical inquirer. So, um, I, uh, was you know just pilled on this movie and it just began this huge search for YouTube documentaries. And I even watched The New Pearl Harbor, which is like a five-hour documentary. And I was starting to become a no-planer because I, I watched that September Clues movie and I was like, there were no planes on 9-11? You're all idiots. <laughs> and um, I, I, I had mentioned this when I was talking to the Skeptical Inquirer people yesterday that even in my deepest part of the rabbit hole, I could still hear a little tiny voice in my head screaming, cognitive dissonance, cognitive dissonance, you are engaging in cognitive... Like I heard that little voice in my head. And every time I went to type in like 9-11 documentaries on YouTube, I'd hear that voice again saying, just type debunk just type debunk in the search bar, just do it. And I was like, no, 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 you know, not like a schizophrenia thing, like the bicameral mind, that little extra voice in your head. And um, so it's weird because I was so painfully self-aware of my own cognitive dissonance, even while I was doing it. And that just, and it just led me on, This long, it's like Mr. Toad's wild ride, except there's a rabbit driving. Mm -hmm. You you get dopamine hits from it. Getting into conspiracy theories is a lot like going to a casino. Every time, you know, you press that button on that slot machine, you're getting a dopamine hit, whether you win or not. And that's how it is with the conspiracy theories. And, And I just kept getting these dopamine hits and my... My brain was rewarding me each time that I was indulging in this, and so conspiracy theories are like drugs. If you're not careful, you start out smoking a joint, and the next thing you know, you're Nikki Six, waking up with a needle in your arm. Oh. <laughs> True. you know. I mean, yeah. it it because because you need more. You know, you you need more and more and more. Like ah, that. Acid was good, but I want to really try acid with ecstasy and DMT at the same time. You know, you just, you get, you want, I I would not suggest anyone do that. I haven't done it, but I wouldn't suggest anyone try it. But um, it's just, you want more. And you're like, and and I think honestly, that's how some people end up doing the flat earth thing. Like all the little steps along the way are okay, but you you need more, and you need more, and you need more, and you need more, and you need more. And, um, but I, I had my line in the sand. E- even at the time, I was like, no satanic pedophile conspiracies, because those were around long before QAnon. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no flat earth conspiracies, no moon landing conspiracies. You know, those, those were my, and, and no reptilians, no, no reptilians and, and nothing, nothing but Jewish people. I was like, <laughs> you know, I was like, I'm staring clear of that. It was uh, very weird, and it just, you know, it was like moving along a little bit steadier. And I watched stuff about Pizzagate, but I didn't believe it. I, Pizzagate was the the angry uncle of QAnon, basically.
0: Right. Just to to fill in the the listeners that may have. Questions about some of the vocabulary you you used. Cognitive dissonance. For anybody that's wondering what that means, it's the state of having inconsistent thoughts. What you're trying to explain is that you were reading or you were watching this stuff and you were believing it, but there was something in the back of your head that said some of this may not be true, but you kept digging deeper and deeper and deeper. And as you dug deeper and deeper, you started to look up and you were like, wow, this hole is really deep. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's, in some ways, it's even, it's a little bit more painful, because I can't just look back and go, man, I was kind of silly back then. It's like, man, I was kind of silly back then. And I was aware of it. (laughs) (laughs) So frustrating. Yeah, being self aware of your own cognitive dissonance. Uh, Let's, let's call that the, the Skynet disorder. Mm-hmm. I was self aware of my own inadequacies, and um, but I didn't you know I didn't do what Skynet did, so
0: good <laughs> and Zegeist for my listeners that may not know what that is that is a documentary it is basically the conspiracy theorist, ah oh man, it's hard to say it's it is such a huge name in conspiracy theorists.
1: It's like the intro. It's like the Cliff Notes. It yeah. touches on a little bit of everything.
2: So Conspiracies for dummies. That's,
1: that's yeah. it.
0: That's it. So, if I remember, and Steph, please uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I want to say that it, that documentary talked... To, like you said, it talked about 9-11, uh, Building 7, and the thermite and everything. Um, that was a really deep subject in there, but it also went into um the Federal Reserve System, and Christianity, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. It, talk, it talked, um, I believe it did talk, it kind of went into the whole thing that Bill Maher goes into in his documentary, Religious, mm-hmm. and he it, where it kind of goes over the the history of Christianity and, like, you know, there may not have actually been a historical Jesus. And, and I was like, oh, I, you know, I can get in. You know, I, that, that, that that there's some historical foundations for this. You know, you find yourself agreeing with some of the things, and, and that's maybe why it's kind of dangerous that it's about a lot. It's a little bit about a lot of different things. Like, if you don't like this, try this.
0: It was such a convincing movie back in the day when I saw it, too. And I could see how you fell down that rabbit hole.
1: And Loose Change, too. Use, Loose Change used to be on Netflix.
0: Mm-hmm. True.
1: and and you know i would watch the shit out of that but and and even even as i'm watching this stuff i'm like this doesn't quite jive with what this is saying and this doesn't quite jive with what this is saying and you know so even at the time i was kind of aware but i, I just brushed it off i'm like ah, yeah, yeah whatever
0: i heard a great saying the other day actually somebody was telling me this i was having a deep conversation about conspiracy theories and because i i was telling them that i have you coming on and i was you know just talking about how excited i was to have you and i'm not trying to not trying to no, blow I... smoke up your ass i'm thoroughly <laughs> enjoying and excited to have you on but they said something along the lines of conspiracy theories all connect as long as you cut some of the pieces to make them fit.
1: I like that. I, yeah, wow. yeah. And that's, that's like, that that's a statement that's talking about cognitive dissonance right yes. there. Like it's, it's, it's in there and yeah, it's, it's true. You can, you can just, and that's, and I think that's the underlying thing that attracts people to them is that Everybody's missing this little puzzle shaped piece inside of them. Like I, I like to say that a human being is a puzzle, and all of us are missing little tiny pieces. You know, maybe it's from a childhood trauma, or it's from this, or it's from that, or it's from the time that our first grade teacher yelled at us, and we sh- we're still holding on to that. And conspiracies—sorry, conspiracy theories. Now, there's mm-hmm. a difference between a conspiracy and a conspiracy theory. Right. MK Ultra is a conspiracy. Project Monarch is a conspiracy theory. They're both, they both have the same plot, but one has evidentiary you know value to it. There, there's actual evidence to prove it.
0: And that would be MKUltra. Ultra.
1: Right, right. So it, it's it, these little tiny puzzle pieces in us is a lot of times conspiracy f- theories fill those missing puzzle pieces. They, they make us feel a little bit more whole. And if you're missing a corner piece, then you're really going to lean heavy on it. Mm-hmm. And it, it just, it it fulfills our needs, you know, and a lot of our our desires and all the things that we want to be but can't be. And we feel, you know, every human being feels lost or powerless at some point in their life. And conspiracy theories kind of fulfill that. That loss, it it tells you, yeah, this is why your life isn't going right. Because outside forces are controlling it. And then also by saying that there are outside forces, it gives you a sense of control. Because I mean, if you stare up at the night sky and you really think about it, holy crap, the universe goes on forever. Nothing matters. Chaos, entropy. Black holes, supernovas, all that fantastical, wonderful, wild stuff. And you get this sense of meaninglessness and powerlessness and helplessness. And you can either like give in to that or you can just go, wow, it's so cool how big the universe is and how tiny I am within it. You know, so the conspiracy theories kind of give your life a sense of order. And they also make an excuse for why you feel powerless about things.
0: Were your social circles, did they consist of conspiracy theorists as well?
1: I was pretty much getting more heavy into it, like after I moved out to California in May of 2015. And I really didn't have a lot of friends. Like I had cleaning clients, but they weren't like you know, and I was close to some of them, and I ended up playing therapist for some of my cleaning clients sometimes, but like it wasn't like a true strong friendship. So, and and I didn't have too many friends before we moved out here either. It, it's it's hard to meet friends when there aren't any clubs or bars that cater to your type of music. So. Right. You know, and and then I started getting friends when I started going to the goth club in Santa Cruz. So by that time, I had gotten out of the conspiracy. So it's just, it's, it, it, that kind of says something also and that I didn't have a lot of friends at the time.
2: Mm-hmm. How did um, being within the conspiracy theorist community affect your professional life?
1: Um, it really didn't because... um I was self-employed at the time, just cleaning houses and stuff. It didn't, and I mean, I, I had a few clients that were, like, anti-vax, but I was kind of, like, pulling back from that a little bit, not really wanting to dip my toes into that water.
2: Okay, like, like, but you never had clients that you looked at them and you were like, you're definitely a lizard or something like that. Like,
1: No, 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 no. <laughs> it, it wasn't, no, no, it, it wasn't anything that I would let cause like some kind of issue.
0: You had mentioned some conspiracies that you wouldn't touch at all. Now, just to get a better idea of, of exactly what you were into, what kind of conspiracies were you into? Were they mostly government, religious, political, paranormal, military, extraterrestrial, or even cryptids?
1: Cryptids are interesting. I, I, I really, even to this day, I still love reading me some John Keel the guy that wrote the mothman prophecies he has a yeah. lot of great books Take them with a grain of salt but they are so fun and i i was i also was listening to a lot of coast to coast am at the time too so that i'm sure played some role
0: <laughs> i feel like we all start off with coast to coast
1: and it's such a great it really is such a great show it's just you got to kind of you just got to take an extra dose of blue pill before you start listening. <laughs> and, and and I love George Norrie and I love Art Bell, you know, and I, I just, I just get such a kick out of them. It was more like, you know, fun to think of George Bush as bad. And that's kind of like what, what every premise of nine 11 conspiracy theories comes down to. And it was just such an, an interesting Conglomerate of so many different things. It was like mass trauma and war and oil prices, and you know, weird newscast clips that were always like sampled in documentaries and stuff like that. And then looking back on it, it it was a lot like COVID has been, where. A lot of misinformation gets out. Some of the information that comes out f- from official sources contradicts itself later because it's so big and it's unfolding. You know, it, it just had so much to it. It, it was like peeling an onion. There were just layers upon layers. It was a, the rushing nesting doll of conspiracies.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But I, it also, I also started getting into the whole false flag thing. I, I always categorize the false flag crisis actor conspiracy theories as um the uh the earlobe comparisons everybody is always like look at this picture of this kid who supposedly died now look at this picture of this crisis actor and they always circle the earlobes for some reason yeah (laughs) that always that even cracked me up back then
0: (laughs) so while while we're still on the subject or the time period of you being a conspiracy theorist. What was that one particular conspiracy that you just dived into? You wouldn't let go of. And you talked about constantly.
1: Uh, for me, I, it was, I was big on nine 11. That that's was a, my big one.
0: That's an easy yeah. one to get into.
1: It, it, it is. And, you know, unless you're one of the people who lost a loved one on that day, it's a fairly harmless conspiracy. It's, it's kind of like JFK. It, it's it's fairly, you know, there's there's not many radical nine eleven truthers. There's not many radical JFK truthers. It, it, they're they're fairly harmless. You know, they're not really hurting people. You know, they're not. It, it's not like they're denying that COVID is real or something like that. It's you know, it's it's not somewhat it's not a very dangerous thing
0: yeah i was um i grew up in connecticut and one of my teacher's husbands uh died that day so you know i i was close enough to to the events of 9-11 to where i i didn't have anybody within my immediate life pass away from the events uh but somebody you know right outside the circle Passed away. So I was able to, you know, it was a, it was very, I don't know, it, it, it was very true to me of what happened. Um, but the, yeah, just the 9 11 conspiracy itself is so, it's crazy because a lot of it really gets you thinking. Yeah. And, oh, man that is one conspiracy that I don't look into anymore because I exactly what was happening to you earlier. I start thinking about more and more and more and more. And eventually I'm, I I get to the point to where I'm like, our government sucks. Everything sucks. Why would they do this? You know, all that. And it's just, I, I can't do that. I'm, you know, it's 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 no good for me to do that, and I I I do know some people that were affected in some sort of way from that event. So it is kind of tough. Do you have any one particular piece of evidence? Why like why you stuck so hard onto nine eleven, or was it just because you thought it was neutral?
1: It it was just um the more the deeper you dig. You realize, well, I'm closer to the surface of the hole than I am to the center of the earth, but it's just going to be such a rough drag to pull myself out of this hole. I think I'll just keep digging. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it's like that cognitive dissonance. Like you, you just, you're dug in the, and some people use this when they refer to people, they'll say they're just dug in the hole. They're dug in like a tick. And you kind of, you know, it's like, hey, do you want to come out and see the sunlight? No, it's okay. Yeah, but it's cold and dark down there. Yeah, but I'm used to it. (laughs) Yeah. You know, the devil you know.
0: Absolutely. That you find comfort in some of these things sometimes.
1: Yeah, and and sometimes we as human beings, we do this active, like, self-negation And we purposely like screw ourselves over. And, you know, like when I was a little kid and I'd go skiing, like I kept throwing myself to the ground. My dad's like, why do you keep throwing yourself down? I was like, so I don't fall. And like he didn't understand it. And I'm just like this little kid and I'm saying this like really profound thing. I'm throwing myself down so that I don't fall. And Mm. that's that's what. We do, you know, like we we we, we have. Every, everybody has a doubt about their conspiracy theory, but it's better if you just throw yourself down and make yourself fall than if you like gravity take care of all that for you because you might get hurt.
2: So uh so far we've talked about specific instance conspiracy theories between like 9-11 and Pizzagate and things like that. Um, did you subscribe to any more of the blanketed theories, like uh the idea of like world government where like our leaders are really just puppets and we're run by some hooded cult uh or anything like that?
1: No, no, I, I never was really like into the NWO type of thing. I mean I know there is a trilateral commission. I know, you know, Bilderberg, I know about, um, Bohemian Grove and stuff like that. And, um,
2: so no, like but, Illuminati skull and bones.
1: Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Well, no, no, I know skull and bones does some creepy stuff, but I, I, and you know, I, I just never want it, want it to dive so deep and embed myself that much to think that everything's under control like that. Just seemed a little too much for me.
0: While we're on the topic of those blanketed conspiracies, have you heard of Project Bluebeam at all?
1: Yes, that was one that was being floated right before the 2016 election about um like hologram yep. being used to like fake an alien invasion.
0: <laughs> I'll tell you. And this is this is one of the conspiracies that I'm I'm personally most interested in right now. That doesn't have to deal with with a cryptid because I'm very deep into cryptozoology. There are some very interesting things happening right now that stand to prove that Project Bluebeam, maybe not directly true, but there is some very interesting stuff happening. We're going to talk about that on another episode eventually. That is such a a wild wild conspiracy so what was your turning point like what when did you say this is enough and what what brought that upon you to finally say i'm done i need to get out of this
1: Uh, sometime i think it was like 2016 i had some friends from pennsylvania fly out to visit me Um, and I'm going to use anonymous terms because I want them to remain anonymous. So I'm going to use they, them. Absolutely. Um, and one of these friends I mentioned to the friend, you know, that whole Sandy hook thing, that looks like it's a bunch of bullshit. And the friend looked at me and they said, I know someone who lost a child there. And this is someone who I've known for like 20 years. Oh no. And, So this is someone I'm very close to and they've never been afraid to tell me to shut the fuck up. They've never been afraid. I mean, a friend, if, if, if you're trying on a dress and you ask a friend, if it makes you look fat, the friend will lie and say, no, to spare your feelings. But a true friend, a real friend will tell you, you look fat without even asking their opinion. And this friend was, one of the ones would be like, you look like you're gaining weight. So the friend had no problem, you know, slamming mm-hmm. it back in my face what I had said. And because this is someone that I trust and I love and I know, the friend was coming to the hospital to visit my mom. The friend came to the funeral. So it was someone, there, there was a bond, a deep bond. So I didn't ask for the parent's name. I didn't ask for the child's name. I apologized, and then after they flew back home, I went on YouTube, and I said, I'm going to skip Sandy Hook, because, you know, I have, I'm like two persons removed from that, so I'm not going to go there. So I typed in, debunking 9-11 into YouTube, and I I wish I remembered the name of the YouTuber who who made it, but it was a seven-part series. And in the last step, you know, and they went through all the scientific stuff. And then in the last episode, they said that people who subscribe to conspiracy theory are more likely to blame others for their problems or their mistakes. And they use the example of you wake up, you hit snooze, and then you're running late but it's the asshole who's driving slow in front of you. It's their fault. It's not your fault that you hit snooze. Mm -hmm. And I had this like really sharp, harsh, painful realization. I'm like, Oh my God, that's me. I I don't want to be like this anymore. You know? And so the change from going from being a conspiracy theorist to being a conspiracy debunker, was actually pretty, like, light switch quick. But the change from going to, you know, a mentally unwell conspiracy theorist to a mentally well conspiracy debunker, that was a lot longer. And that involved a lot more introspection and self-awareness and thought. But, you know, and, and not necessarily everybody Who's in a conspiracy theories is going to be mentally unwell. I, I just want everybody to understand. I'm not making a blanket statement about that. Right. But I'm, I'm saying from my personal anecdotal evidence, uh, you know, just my own experience, I know I was mentally unwell. And from researching other conspiracy theories, and also, and I highly recommend Mick West's book, Escaping the Rabbit Hole. He talks a lot about you know, similarities in, in, in people's minds and stuff that are into conspiracy theories. And also from my friend, Jatarth, who I interviewed for the magazine, you know, there, there does seem to be a correlation between mental health and conspiracies. I'm, I'm not talking about, you know, the homeless person with the tinfoil hat ranting and raving about microchips in their teeth. Like every town has one of those. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like a normal functioning human being who has some inner demons that, you know, they may be battling depression. They may be, you know, having suicidal ideation, stuff like that. And because there's a direct correlation between depression And powerlessness and helplessness and conspiracy theories help fill in those little missing pieces of that. But it's going from believer to non-believer was really quick, but there were a lot more steps along the way to get self-confidence and self-esteem and better self-awareness.
0: So. Do you do you see a difference in yourself now that you've made it out of the rabbit hole?
1: Yeah, yeah, I do, I do. Um, and and a lot of this has to do with my work. For even the podcast is afraid, you know that <clears throat> that gave me a bigger boost of my self esteem. But it's it's not just that. It's I mean, it, this was years ago, a long time ago. It back when I, when I was kind of in or out of the conspiracy theories, I, I had a Karen mentality. Mm-hmm. And I think what that correlates to is that feeling of helplessness. And you, you feel helpless, and you feel, so you feel angry, so you lash out at people that you sense are less powerful than you at that time.
0: How do you feel now? Like, I mean, do you feel better? I want to, I want to know what your outlook on life is now. Like, what are, are you seeing the world through a different set of glasses now than you did before?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I am. Um, it's, it's kind of like, you know, they live. I'm putting on those glasses for the first time and I'm really seeing the world. And I know that there are bad people out there. I know that there are conspiracies. Real conspiracies. And I know that there are evil human beings. And, you know, I understand that. I realize that. And I don't let that push me down. I don't let, you know, the unfairness of certain aspects of the world push me down. I, I just, I'm, I'm able to, to just kind of brush things off and, I'm I'm able to kind of like you know in in the confrontation I don't take it to heart and I don't stew about it I don't ruminate on it I just you know I let it go and I I've, I've ha- I was diagnosed with bipolar you know manic depression when I was young but I tend more towards the depress the depressive thing. I do, I knew I know I still do get manic upswings, but I'm usually just depressed all the time. And I haven't taken any medication for my depression in over a year, and I've been like doing really good. And, and note to anyone listening: don't stop taking your medication just because I did. Mm. Um, <laughs> but and I. And now when I get depressed, I realize I have nothing to be depressed about and it's just chemicals in my head. So that's be- because a lot of times people who are chronically decry- depressed will also be situationally depressed because things aren't going right in their life. So now I kind of, I kind of enjoy the depression because, all right, so maybe I'll spend a day in bed. No biggie. But. I'm enjoying the fact that I realize that this depression is just because of chemicals in my head and that there's nothing in my situational life to be depressed about. So it's, it's, it's a really good feeling. It's, it's like a, a victory.
0: I hope that somebody listening to this podcast really listened to what she was saying there. That is very important to to understand that a, That a lot of this stuff stems from the chemicals that are in your head. Now I know that a lot of people go through really horrible experiences. Life gets in the way, things happen, and it's usually from an outside source, and you have no control over it. But there there is a way through. And you know, it's not necessarily the the path that I was planning on going down on this episode, but I will always take a step outside of the rabbit hole for a minute to talk about depression and how serious this is as a side note for anybody listening that if anybody ever needs help, we have talked about this before on one of our old episodes. If anybody needs help, whether it be with depression or suicidal thoughts, reach out to me. If I can't help you, I'll put you in contact or I will give you some sort of information to get you the help that you need.
2: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC. Greetings. I'm Declassified Dave. I'm Mystery Mike. I'm
0: Slick Frank Sanders. Join us on the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour Mondays.
2: Where we look into the dark secrets of the conspiratorial world.
0: We'll explore the likes of government cover-ups, the existence of otherworldly beings, unexplained phenomena, and cryptids. We tackle these topics with an open mind, a sense of humor, and dapper drippage.
2: Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and listen on all podcast platforms.
0: Other than that, Steph, I'm happy that you found your way out out of the rabbit hole of the conspiracies. Um, It sounds like although you went through some really dark stuff and you really dug your way into that hole, You ended up making a really good outcome from it. I mean, look at you now. You're a writer who has been featured in Skeptical Inquirer. I think they've been around since, what, 1975? Is that correct? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, I think so.
0: So you've done work with Skeptical Inquirer. You're a writer and researcher for even the podcast is Afraid. If you're interested in the topics that we talk about on Infinite Rabbit Hole, go give them a listen. If you haven't, for some reason, that podcast is definitely needs to be bookmarked for anybody listening to this podcast. Because this podcast used that podcast in some sort of way to create the foundation for Infinite Rabbit Hole. I mean, we've done it with a lot of podcasts. CJ was actually a member of the Technical podcast. Oh, cool. I actually use their podcast to help format this podcast as well. So one thing about creating podcasts, if anybody is interested in creating podcasts other than the normal uh, advertisement that we put on every episode, is that the one of the first things that's naturally done is to... Go and listen to other podcasts and see what they're doing and what you like in other podcasts and what you don't like in other podcasts. And even the podcast is afraid is one of those podcasts that I regularly went to to create a format for this one. So please go check out Steph's hard work on that podcast and enjoy some really, really good content by really awesome people.
1: Wow, thank you. I'm I'm like sitting here blushing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. You guys have done a great job with that podcast. So now that we've talked about the rabbit hole that is conspiracy theory, right? Mm-hmm. I got one last question before we talk about all the good stuff you do. Right? Again, okay. <laughs> is there anything that you still subscribe to?
1: Um, th- there's some things that. I still question. Okay. You know, like, like, just, I I can't even, like, give you a specific, but there are, like, little tiny things about 9-11 that still, like, you know, give me one of those giant comic strip, like, question marks over my head. But I just kind of, I'm like, you know, that it's, it's long ago. And, you know, so many experts have weighed in and just the fact that it would have taken thousands of people to like shut their damn mouths to keep the whole thing covered up. That just, you know, I just kind of shrug the questions off and I'm also like, you know, these unanswered questions, what what, what would solving it do? Mm-hmm. What what would that, you know, if the government's that powerful that they could orchestrate that, then what's the point of collecting the evidence, <laughs> you know? It's so so it, it's, it, it just, and it's like, you know, it, the, w- when you're looking at stuff like that, you're, you're able to avoid every conflict within you because you're focusing on all the conflicts outside of you and true revolution, you know, comes from within it, it should not be that you're revolting necessarily against a system, but that you're revolting against a system because of something inside of you. And, um, you know, I, I don't need to, to look at that kind of stuff anymore. There's still some stuff I'm not sure of. And, and I, and I got to say, having recently learned that uh, during MK MKUltra, the CIA was uh, experimenting on Canadian citizens – on Canadian soil that deeply disturbs me Uh (laughs) that, I mean, I mean, not like they haven't, like the CIA hasn't put it in, you know, in South America and and Central America or anything, but just the fact that they would uh, go to our brothers up North and, Hey, can we, uh, you know, try some mind control on some of your citizens? Oh, by sure. Hey, don't you dare now, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
2: That actually kind of leads me to a question that I wanted to ask, um, and that would be: Has seeing a, a conspiracy theory or something that was once a conspiracy theory now become fact? Like this is this is a thing that happened; it's not just a rumor. Has that ever like made you wonder about your decision to leave the conspiracy world?
1: Um. No, I mean I, I can't think of anything that really recently came out. That was like a theory, but then was proven. Do you have like a specific,
2: yeah, example? Uh, just I think it was maybe three or four years ago. Um, there were some declassified files that came out on one of the cia's.gov sites where, for years and years, there was this theory uh, out there that the CIA had released a virus, um, and they believe it was in New York uh, in order to test some things and to form some sort of like an incubator or something like that. I'm not. I don't. Uh, I don't remember all the details of the conspiracy itself. Um, but everyone was like, no, oh, no, no. And then they came out They're like, no, yeah, we, we did that. We definitely tested a virus on American citizens. And I had not heard that one. <laughs> yeah. I, think, I believe it was like 1978. It was a while ago that I, that I, that I read about this. I'm just like, whoa, I'm like, okay.
1: I'd never put it past them to not do that, but wow. Yeah. And, and, and it's not that shocking. Cause we already know about Tuskegee. So, you know, that's not as surprising, but no, I, I hadn't, I, it, but see that, that sounds to me like a more reasonable, plausible conspiracy theory, you know, like it just seems more of a plausible thing and it, I don't know. Oh crap. I'm pilled again. Well, you know, I, I'm just going to log off right now. And I'm gonna start writing le- love letters to Alex Jones. Crap! I, I really, I really. And um, by the way, you know when I, when I, I really, I, I know he's so controversial, but I love Joe Rogan, and I gotta say there were a couple times I was listening to Joe Rogan with Alex Jones on there, and I could feel myself getting pilled. <laughs> Someone's listening. <laughs> And I'm oh. like, Joe, why are you doing this to me, man?
0: <laughs> oh.
1: But, um, it, yeah, it, it, I, I don't have a proper response to that. I, um,
0: I have a really good example for CJ's question. What about the recent release of UFO videos by the Pentagon?
1: I didn't watch them. Um, and, but, but I did hear about it when it came out. I, I don't know enough. Like I, 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 have like, you know, oh, I saw some headlines, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Um, but I was just kind of like, all right. Okay. What else you got? You know, it just, it just, it didn't really like, because it, it's it, that, that again would also be kind of like a likely thing, like, you know high-tech engineering spaceships, you know, that the government was working on or something. Not that aliens crashed here or anything. I'm not saying Roswell. I'm just saying that, you know, we we were doing, like, you know, super fancy, you know, future retro-looking planes or something. Maybe that's – I don't know. I I didn't really look into the UFO documents that much. I should have. don't know why I didn't.
0: It's definitely very interesting. And I it wouldn't necessarily be a conspiracy theory anymore because it, it's out there. And you have a ton of nations that are coming forward with their own stuff. Like you have uh, the, the U.K., Japan, China. They're all coming forward with their own UFO videos. We just did an episode on the Department of Defense UFO videos uh, because my other co-host, Wes is a veteran of the Navy and our prior co-host who just left the show is also active duty Navy. The show was created with uh Navy personnel, you know, people that I know from my career. So that was a really big topic for us to do. And we jumped all over it. Um, and it was a big hit with a lot of our military friends. It, it's so interesting that something as big as whether it would be from, an alien life form or another planet, or just simply a piece of tech from another country that we're unaware of. Just knowing that the the government has known about this stuff, held it for so long. I think that kind of fuels the fire of the conspiracy theorists that are out there right now, because that gives them hope that a lot of this stuff could still be true. Just because the government says it's not doesn't necessarily mean it's not. But I understand. I definitely understand what you're talking about when you say, why even look into it? It's not going to change anything, which is completely true. It's not going to change anything. No matter what you look into, whatever conspiracy theory you look into, even if you can prove it yourself. And I hate, I hate to say this, but even if you proved it, the government is so strong. That they would shut yeah. it down instantly, and you would never see the light of day with your information.
2: Oh, you would vanish. They'd black bag you. That's what they do. <laughs>
1: yeah, you'd, you'd, wait, you'd wake up at a CIA uh, black site, and they'd be uh, trying to torture you with skinny puppy music, which, uh, I don't know. i got to say, those uh, those prisoners at Guantanamo Bay who were forced to listen to skinny puppy. i got to say, if I was one of them, I'd be like... Hey, can you play some pig face too while you're at it?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I, I I just you know, yeah, you uh, yeah, I, I hope if I'm ever in a CIA black site, by the way, if any government agencies are listening, whatever you do, don't play Velvet Acid Christ, VMV Nation, or Skinny Puppy during my torture sessions. Anything <laughs> but that.
2: You think they really torture the people that they that they take or or do they just, like, just get rid of them? I, I feel like they just get rid
1: they, of them. They t- they, I, I'm, I'm sure they get... I, I read about someone's experience at a CIA black site, and... Um,
0: now we're going down the rabbit hole. Let's do it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 will, I will be upfront. You know, I will respect anyone in government because they're in government. I will respect any vet because they're a veteran. But I gotta say, the three-letter agencies. I'm a bit more down with the FBI than I am with the CIA. Okay, hmm. and Are that's you down that's with just. Be- I I am sometimes down with OPP. <laughs> sometimes, when I'm not down with EMF, I'm down with OPP.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh but ah, uh, so I I have, I have a theory about this whole black bagging and whether or not they just get rid of them. I think it comes down to whether or not they have information that the three letter government agency needs. If, if there's no information that's needed, CJ, I think you're right. Done. But if, it, if there's some sort of information that they need, that's when you're getting tortured.
1: And, um, I read, uh, Chris Hitchens wrote an essay. He decided to have himself waterboarded just to see if, because he was writing for Vanity Fair at the time and he won it. And the whole thing at the time was about the Iraqi war and whether waterboarding was torture or not. So Chris Hitchens underwent waterboarding to see what it was like. And he called the article, believe me it's torture. And um, to hear one of my all time heroes, like writing about his PTSD from voluntary waterboarding. I'm like, you know, torture just is not a very cool thing. <laughs> it just really isn't.
0: Absolutely not. I couldn't imagine pieces of wood shoved underneath my fingernails. Oh just it just
1: oh. oh. Don't don't watch don't watch uh, Masters of Horror imprint then. Don't watch that.
0: <laughs> Copy that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, it it's um and it's psychological torture. I think is much worse.
0: I don't know. Physical torture is pretty bad though. <laughs> yeah, but I bad. mean
1: like I think I would rather be like have like a limb amputated than have like severe severe PTSD.
0: Uh Stephanie, I I don't have any other questions when it comes to conspiracy theories. Uh, for you, I think you did a great job. Your, your story Thank is you. amazing, by the way. Thank you. I really enjoyed having you. But I do want to talk to you a little bit about the really cool stuff that you do. The Skeptical Inquirer. I need to know, how did you get that? How did you land
1: that? It started in, in 2014. I had my first article published with them, which didn't start out as an article. It started out as an email, as an angry um uh, Abe Simpson type of letter to the editor, you know, ang- old man yells at cloud. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and it was like, dear editor. And I was describing a show I had just watched called the paranormal files that was on the science channel. Yeah. And it advertised itself as a scientific explore- exploration of the paranormal.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it was about cattle mutilation and it was anything but scientific. They, they, they spent less than half a minute on the only expert who could really speak about cattle mutilations, which was a veterinarian. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading the scientific explanation for cattle mutilations in a skeptical inquirer magazine article. So that's why I emailed them and I get an email back. This is great. Can you make this an article? I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> So I I did like I ordered a a streaming copy of the episode that was only good for 24 hours. I put the subtitles on and I used screen recording technology. So I had a recording of it and I went through the entire episode with the subtitles on and transcribed the entire episode. So not only could I say that I watched the episode, but that I knew, you know, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't misunderstanding everything. So I transcribed the episode And then I wrote my article. Wow. And then, um, then, then, you know, years later with the QAnon article, you know, I've been writing for even the podcast is afraid. And I was listening to another favorite podcast of mine called skull duggery. And it's, it's like a, it's a political thing about like, you know, fucked up shit in government and it's really good. And, um, So I, and they were talking a little bit about QAnon and I'm like, and this was before the election. And I'm like, people need to make informed decisions based on truth and honesty and character, not based on a conspiracy theory. So I said to Jared, we got to do an episode on QAnon. I don't know anything about it. And this was, this was like maybe like August or September. I was like, but I'm going to learn. And Jared's like, okay. And then I ended up using my credentials for the podcast to get an interview with Michael Isikoff, the host of Skullduggery, um, conspiracy debunker uh, radio host, Michael Medved, uh, conspiracy debunker author, Mick West. Um, So I got to score interviews with three famous people for this two-part episode. And my primary source of information was the podcast QAnon Anonymous. So even though the two episodes of the podcast on QAnon had come and gone, I was still obsessed with QAnon Anonymous, just listening to it over and over. I just re-listening to episodes. And then when I ran out of episodes, I was like, fuck it. I'm paying the $5 a month. And then I got the, you know, the premium episodes and I got my boyfriend hooked on it. So I was like, okay, how about I email Skeptical Inquirer because my brain is bursting with QAnon. So I I emailed them and I'm like, you know, I wrote that article free in 2014. I just did two episodes on QAnon Anonymous. I've been writing for this podcast. And they got back to me like within a few minutes and they're like, yes, we're interested. So... I know that was, like, a long-winded explanation, but there's, like, a lot of, like, really weird, like, tiny little nuggets that, like, built up to that one thing. And uh, my boyfriend and I were staying in Bisbee, Arizona at the time, and we're Mm. going to be moving there shortly. So we were hanging out with comedian Doug Stanhope. And one of his friends is a lawyer, an immigration lawyer for the Florence Project. So I was like, hey, I'm going to talk to her because a lot of QAnon focuses on human trafficking and who would better know about human trafficking than an immigration lawyer. And then, so I I got to interview her and then I got to interview another immigration lawyer. And then I I just went all in for the magazine article. I got Jake Brockitansky from the QAnon Anonymous podcast and I was like, you gotta give me five minutes to fangirl Jake when I was interviewing <laughs> him. And then and then I um then I got a hold of Jatarth Jadeja. I and I had first heard about him on a few podcasts. Mm-mm. And now and now he and I are friends. And then um so I, I did two immigration lawyers, I did Jatarth, I interviewed Jake, and then I was so ecstatic that I got to talk to Frederick Brennan, Hot Wheels, the original founder of 8 Chan. Wow. I was so just like, you can hear me smiling right now. I was just so (laughs) so like in awe of him because everything that poor man has been through, but he's so smart and talented and funny and clever. And I just, I love Fred. I really do. (laughs) So Fred, if you're listening, I absolutely adore you. Um, (laughs) but, um, And, and so it took me like from the time I pitched the magazine article to them to the time it was actually in was maybe two months time, but I was touching base with them and and I was letting them know that I had scored interviews with these big names. And I also interviewed a former QAnon woman, um, from England. And, um, so it, it just, you know, they, they, and then they were like, "Wow, you have a lot here. Let's make it two issues." So, and then January 6 happened, and that's what got me on the cover. Wow. <laughs> yeah, but uh, and my my reaction on January 6 was a lot different than most people's. I I saw a picture on my Twitter feed of Jake Angeli, and I'm like, "That's the fucking Q shaman." How does not, how does nobody know this? Like everyone's like, what the hell's up with the guy in the Viking hat? I knew right away from listening to QAnon Anonymous that that was Jake. <laughs> I knew right away. I'm like, that's a Q shaman. And I, I posted on Twitter. I was still half asleep. I was like, QAnon has breached the Capitol. And, and like, it had just happened, but I knew the Q shaman there. Like I just knew. And I was not surprised. I was shocked, but I was not surprised that it had happened. Like not at all, but that's, that's what bumped me to the cover. Cause they're like, Hey, we got a selling point now.
0: <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about even the podcast is afraid. How did you land that?
1: Uh, and I'll try and keep it as short as possible. Um, okay. I was listening to a podcast and they mentioned even the podcast is afraid. So I started listening to even the podcast is afraid and I was list- and This was right around like May. Of last year. And so I listened to an old episode from November. And in the episode, they interviewed an author. And the author's like, if you email me at this address, I'll send you an autographed copy of my book for 20 bucks. So I emailed him and he's like, Holy crap, that episode's six months old. Okay, I'll honor it.
2: Mm-hmm. And I get
1: the book. And along with the book is a handwritten note from the author saying, Wow, you know, you you got me thinking to try that offer again on another podcast. I did. And I sold out all the copies of my book. It was truly a COVID miracle. So I was like, you know what? That's a cute, neat little story. So I shared that. I emailed even the podcast is afraid. And I sent them like a picture of the note and I told them about the story. And then we started emailing each other back and forth, Jared and I. And then I've tried interacting with podcasts before to no avail. And, I was like, you know, I'm a writer. Here's a copy of my Skeptical Inquirer magazine article. And I sent them some of my old newspaper articles. I'm like, you know, and I was quoted in a book about Marilyn Manson. And I was quoted in a sociology textbook. And, you know, I'm giving them like all this stuff. And I'm like, how do you, what do you think about doing Fred and Rose West? And Jared's like, I've never heard of them. And I'm like, I'll do it. And so it ended up being their longest multi-part series ever, seven parts. Wow. And it, and so it was my first writing with them. It was their longest series and it was the series with the longest general content warning. <laughs> it took Jared like over a minute to read the content warning. <laughs> I handed in 94 typed pages. Wow. Yeah. At one point I was up for about 30 hours straight working on it. Got it. So, <laughs> and, and, and it was, that's such a great, like butterfly. It's such a great butterfly effect story. Like you see like all the little tiny things that would have amounted to nothing on their own, but they led to something else.
0: Well, Steph, that's pretty much all I got for you today. I can't say it enough. Thank you so much for coming onto the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: It's really been a pleasure. Now, if any of my listeners would like to get in touch with you or follow you on socials or follow your work with podcasts or even in newspapers and magazines,
1: how can they follow you? Well, I'm on Twitter at, my at is Mick Face. It's spelled, um... I have the NATO phonetic alphabet for me. I am trying to do proper. It's it's Mick paste face. M is in Michael. C is in Charlie. P is in Papa. A is in Alpha. S is in Sierra. T is in Tango. E as in Echo, and then Face. F is in Foxtrot. A is in Alpha. C is in Charlie. E is in Echo, and it's it's a little picture of Ralph Wiggum eating paste. <laughs> yeah. And my my current name I think is like Sir Steffi McPasteface Templar Knight or something. And um and my my email is um Kemper Kitten. Kemper as in the last name of serial killer Edmund Kemper. Um and Kitten as in like a little tiny baby cat at uh gmail.com.
0: Uh I see that you're you're pretty active on Twitter. Yeah. That's me, by the way, that's sending all the minion memes and stuff. Uh. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, I know, I know, I, 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 yeah, yeah, and as, as you saw from my picture yesterday, I'm a very eccentric, childlike, uh, playful adult with my stuffed animals, so.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. Well, uh, is there anything else that you would like to get out, Stephanie? Yeah.
1: Um, even the podcast is afraid is available on, um, the two, the two platforms that I use the most are Stitcher and Spotify. Um, my dad listens on the iHeartRadio app and, um, it's, uh, Ortis, O-R-D is in dog, IS is in Sam Studios, plural.com is our, um, website. And, um, I just want to say really quick how much I fucking love Jared, Sam, and Nick and what a big role being a part of their podcast has played for my self-esteem and helping me to combat depression. So I just want to tell them how much I love them and am thankful for them.
0: That is awesome. Great job, guys. Steph, once again, thank you very much for coming on to Infinite Rabbit Hole today. This has been an excellent episode. This is going to blow people away. They're really going to be in tune with this one. CJ, thank you for landing this this interview for us. You've been amazing as a co-host lately. Thank you very mm-hmm. much. And Stephanie, again, I yes. can't cannot thank you enough. Thank you for coming on to this episode.
1: Thank you so much.
0: And that has been it. We are done with this episode of Infinite Rabbit Hole. We'll see you next time. Hey, everyone. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Infinite Rabbit Hole. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can do so at infiniterabbithole@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Follow us at facebook.com forward slash infiniterabbithole. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash infiniterh. Follow us on Instagram at infinite underscore rabbit underscore hole. We're always looking for someone that has a story to share. So if you feel like you've experienced a strange encounter with something that you can't explain, Reach out to us. Let us know. Come on, have a good time. Tell your story. And if for some reason you don't want to show up on a podcast, send us a letter in our email in a format that we can read to the fans, and we'll be more than happy to read it to everybody. Well, that's all for this episode. We'll see you next time down the Infinite Rabbit Hole.